This episode of Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music is sponsored by Amsterdam Brewing Company. You know what I was thinking, actually, as I was listening to the record, I was like, Vampire Weekend would kind of make a good drag name. Yes. You know what I mean? Please welcome to the stage, Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend. (laughs) 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 Interview with Vampire Weekend. Yeah, literally. I don't know. I like so good. Interview with Vampire Weekend. (laughs) Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Modern Vampires of the City by Vampire Weekend, released in 2013 under XL Recordings. And my guest is Carrie. Hey. Welcome back to, to the go podcast. Less like- Thank you. I tried <laughs> to go like less my usual like dogs only can hear me. Hey. Um, I did notice your voice came down a, a, a was- bit on the register there. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a full octave lower than it needs to be. Next time you come on the pod, you're going to be like, hello. Hi. I'll just just be like, hi, how are you? Um, I love your, I love your usual uh, signature. Yeah, that's the Carrie voice I know and love. (laughs) That's the Carrie voice I know and love. It's so nice. It's so nice to see you, Carrie. We, uh, you're joining us via Zoom today. Thanks for coming on via the internet. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Zoom. Thank you, Kiara. Thank you, world. You are welcome. I mean, I wish I wish you could be here in person with me, but this is the second best thing. You're an expert. You've been on the pod many times now, both in person and online. Yes. How does it feel? Feels good. Feels good to be back. Uh, 2021. Starting 2021. Fresh. So fresh and so clean, clean. <laughs> I love it. I'm ready. And- this is going to be a fun episode, Care, because uh, previously on the pod, you've you've done two episodes uh, on Blank One Eighty Two, a band that you and I both know and love, and I feel like we're going in a a very different direction today with Vampire Weekend, a little more preppy, a little bit more um, boat shoe, if you will. <laughs> very much so, very different. So I'm super excited. Like, like I love Blank. I'll always talk about Blank, but like also sometimes new to. To let the people know I don't just know my pop punk. Let it be known that Carrie has a diverse music taste. I do. Very diverse. And that's why Much we love like having you. like my accents. Yes. <laughs> I'm not good at accents. I'm never going to do that again. I'm so excited to have you back, Carrie. I know I say that every time, but I truly do mean it. You are one of, one of our favorite guests on the podcast. So thanks for coming back. Oh, thanks. All right. Well, Kara, I definitely want to get into talking about the album. Um, but what do you say we provide the listeners with a little bit of background on who Vampire Weekend is first? Oh, I like that idea. I like that very much. Vampire Weekend are a four-piece indie rock band hailing from New York City, fronted by lead vocalist, guitarist, and lyricist Ezra Koenig, with Rostam Batmanglige taking on multi-instrumental roles, Chris Thompson on drums, and Chris Bayo on bass. The band's early days were actually under a different name, Lom Run, and it originally started as a rap collaboration between Koenig and Thompson after meeting at Columbia University. They later adopted the Vampire Weekend name from the title of one of Koenig's short films, and they self-produced their debut album shortly after graduating. Vampire Weekend quickly was targeted by internet trolls after appearances on The Late Show with David Letterman and Saturday Night Live, claiming that the members of the band were overprivileged wasps from Ivy League schools and were stealing their funk-inspired sound from foreign musicians. But Koenig was quick to comment on the fact that the members were far from wasps, all attending Columbia on scholarships, and he himself continued to pay off his student loans well into 2009, a year after their first album was released. That's pretty impressive. Student loan struggle is real, man. They, yeah. It's, that debt uh, follows you around forever. Yeah. Like, man, why can't we just have an education system similar to Sweden where shit like that is free? 
cuts. Pretty much like everywhere in Europe has, like everywhere's got a, everybody else has a better education system than we do. Like I could understand if you didn't necessarily listen to their lyrics, you would probably make assumptions about who they are as a band yeah. because they dressed, you know, like they were wearing like button ups and like V-neck sweaters and like cardigans and boat shoes and just like very, you know, drinking oh, yeah. horchata in December. Like it's very, <laughs> it, it came across that way for sure. But Agreed. I- you know, yeah. I think they have moved a little bit away from that image, but they're still a very tr- a preppy band in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I'm a girl who loves a cardigan, so I ain't Do complaining. The famous Carrie cardigans. Yeah. The, when you get told by colleagues, like, enough with the cardigans, like, <laughs> you, got a, you got a problem. The band's debut was well-received by critics, and their song Cape Cod Kwasa ranked number 67 on Rolling Stone's 100 Best Songs of the Year list. From there, they toured with The Shins, they played Glastonbury Festival, and they snagged a set on MTV's Unplugged, which I thought was an interesting fun fact because I've never seen that Unplugged footage before. The album we're talking about today, Modern Vampires of the City, is Vampire Weekend's third full-length record, and it dropped in 2013. It was a very unique venture for the band as they brought in an outside producer for the first time, R.E.L. Rekshide, and deviated from their signature indie pop sound to a more experimental one, including trying their hand at quote-unquote formant shifting, which modifies pitch, as heard on the single Diane Young. The album itself was home to four singles in total, so as we mentioned, Diane Young was one of them, Step, Yahe, and Unbelievers. It debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, was included in Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time, of all time. And it won the Grammy Award for Best Alternative Music Album in 2014. Very successful record. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. And that's the end of that segment. (laughs) Today's episode is sponsored by the good folks at Amsterdam Brewing Company. Amsterdam Brewing Company is a staple in the city of Toronto, originally founded in 1986 and dedicating themselves to delivering innovative craft beers ever since. I myself am a huge fan of their Queen's Key brew house, whose patio has undoubtedly one of the best lake views in Toronto. It quickly became my go-to first date spot when I moved to the city because no matter what happens, the booze and the food will be worth it. Today, we pay tribute to the first song off Modern Vampires of the City, Obvious Bicycle, with an Amsterdam classic, Bone Shaker Unfiltered India Pale Ale. Whoop, whoop. Woohoo! <laughs> And for those of you who might be scratching your heads right now, allow me to explain. While Bone Shaker is considered a delicious part of the Amsterdam brewing family, it was also the colloquial name for a bicycle in the 1800s. And this fun fact is illustrated on the can itself with the depiction of a skeleton pedaling away on a bike. Yes, Carrie, like that one. (laughs) Like Carrie's empty can right now. Bone Shaker is an award-winning IPA made with over four different malts and featuring flavors of grapefruit and aromas of pine. You can find Bone Shaker and other truly unique selections from Amsterdam at their brew house, barrel house, and retail locations, as well as from your local LCBO or beer store. And if you want to exercise your right to stay home, you can order from www.amsterdambeer.com and have it delivered straight to your door. And be sure to check out and follow Amsterdam Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shop local and stay safe. Okay, so Carrie, Vampire Weekend. You a big fan of them? How did you first start listening to them? What's your relationship look like with these uh, these preppy boys from New York City? Well, I already mentioned I'm keen on a cardigan. So already a bonus. I actually, I remember listening to them like in, in late, late university. Um, but they really came onto my radar with their, their first big single, Oxford Car which I love. I love the song. Hate their views on it. I give a fuck about an Oxford comma. Um, And let me tell you why. 
I was going to say, here comes Carrie's beef on <laughs> Oxford come on. Like, I get it. I get some people are impartial to the, the the grammatical needs, but I find the Oxford comma very important, especially when you are like ensuring clarity in sentences, making sure that you do not miscommunicate. So I give a fuck about it. And as much as I love that song, there's a little part of me that refuses to sing along. I don't give a fuck about an Oxford comma because I was like, what was I got to do? Can you, can you give our listeners some, um, clarity care on, uh, what an Oxford comma is used for? Cause I myself oh. am also like, do I understand the Oxford comma thing? So the, I mean like the Oxford comma in and of itself is very, um, like it's not, it's not anything fancy. It's just when you're particularly listing items, it's, you put a comma after the penultimate item. So like the second to last, it's always separated before like an and or an or I see. Um, within that list. So if you were, for example, one of my favorite, like, I don't know, it's like a meme or something somewhere, but it's like, we partied with the strippers, JFK and Putin. And if you only put a comma after strippers, then JFK and Putin are your are strippers. the strippers. But if you go the strippers, comma JFK, comma and Putin, then there are three distinct entities from which you are partying with. Today's English lesson <laughs> has been brought to you by Carrie. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I think we're all done. leaving the room a little bit smarter today, and we're going to be going using Oxford commas from now on. Um, so that was the first song you so. heard. <laughs> yes, and I I did really enjoy it. And I mean, like there are things to be said. His views on the Oxford comma do not agree with. What do I agree with? The fact that Lil John, he always tells the truth. Like all the, the in the chorus, it's Lil John, he always tells the truth. And I think it's like looking at the pretense, like the pretentiousness of like people and that idea of like being high floating, but like at the end yes. of the day, simplicity kind of gets your message across clear, to which I completely agree, but like the way, John, that know. totally makes sense. That totally, ma- I, you yeah. know what? I totally like that. I blanked for a second. I was like, wait, why is little John coming into this? But then yes, you're right. He's mentioned he's named in the chorus directly. In the chorus. The way Ezra writes his song. And now I'm on a first name basis. If we're going to have beef button Oxford comma, I got to use your first name. But like he, he, everything he writes is very purposeful and it's very like there are double meanings and it's a lot in this album, which was very hard for me. Not hard for me to wrap my head around, but like you kind of have to like really listen to it and but that's something I love about this band. Like their lyricism is phenomenal. And I think you can, you can certainly tell if he wasn't an English major, I would have been surprised. Like he just feels very like that kind of vibe. I I have to agree with you though. That was something that immediately stuck out when uh, I was prepping this week. I've been listening to the album all week long and I just, my mind was blown in going back and researching some of the songs, like how in depth Ezra gets in his writing yeah. and yeah, the, the double meanings and just like, like typically like if you're, if you're like me and you like going through and looking at song lyrics on genius or whatever, genius is amazing because it'll literally take you line by line and it anecdote and anecdotes, it annotates, <laughs> um, yeah. every line. If, if, if there is something to be said about it and like going yeah. through vampire weekends, genius, like takes days because every like word almost has a certain meaning and the way he puts it in the sentence is very intentional. So it was yeah. a lot prepping for this one, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, particularly because it gave me a great sense of nostalgia as well. Yes. Um, I remember the first time I listened to Vampire Weekend was in high school. And the reason that I did was because pretty much any guy I was in love with in high school listened to Vampire <laughs> Weekend. 
Um, and so I wanted to be a part of their world, so to speak. Well, you know what? Young Love brought you in the right direction musically. Exactly. Exactly. It definitely shaped a lot of my early music taste. It, it, it kind of reminded me, have you seen Lady Bird? Like Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird? Oh, yes. The guys that I was in love with in high school were Timothy Chalamet's character in Lady Bird. <laughs> like, you know, like smoked cigarettes at parties and like would always be just like so bored with everybody, like Red Tolstoy at lunch. Like, uh, like that was the man that I wanted to like, I wanted to have his kids. <laughs> I love that because like you juxtapose that with like not not talking to me but like I used to bring Tolstoy in my purse and I'd read it at parties like hidden away when I was like dating one of my boyfriends and it was like a big like sports party and I was like I these people have no body fat and they're all fucking hammered screaming to like party in the USA and I'm like in a bathroom being like contemplating my life choices being like do I also take a train ride like Anna Karenina I was gonna say was it Anna Karenina was it war and peace what was the vibe oh it was full Anna Karenina just being like why am I here those were the those were the men I wanted to spend my time with was like super intellectual artsy too cool for school like 100 pounds soaking wet boys very anarchist very baller <laughs> i think anarchist and baller that's from ladybird that's a ladybird reference i think you need to put that i i know i just love it though you just kind of like the perfect quintessential way to sum up a man um i think the first song i heard in my in my in my first venture of vampire weekend was probably campus or a punk um mm. probably oxford comma because that was a single but i do remember cape cod kwasa kwasa being the first song that i like loved and it continues yeah. to it, it, it finds its way on my summertime playlists every year so every bad. year I make a new summertime playlist and it's like I can't have it without like is your bed made is your sweater on like I can't I can't not sit on my balcony with yeah. like a drink in my hand and not have that song playing it's just like no 100% agree like and this is one of those things with this band especially with this album like going back it was very like their music is so it's summertime like, it's just happy music. And and I was so glad you asked me to do this album because I was in a bit of like, you know, January blues. Like, it's like shitty. We're all stuck inside. And I was like, ah, the warmth. But then you like read the lyrics and you're like, I feel kind of cold inside. <laughs> like, just the instrumentals don't necessarily match the lyrics oh, and 100%. the meanings, but they're just so fucking happy. I'll sing about my own skepticism in a very happy, upbeat tune and just like live my best life. Yeah, they're, 100%. They do something so magical. Like they're so summery. I love it. Absolutely. There, there's no band like Vampire Weekend, at no. least that I can think of that that's, exists right now. Neither can I. Like you can hear some of their influences. Like you can definitely hear like some talking head in there. Like yes. there's definitely, like you can feel their influences on their records. I know a Vampire Weekend song. I don't even need to know what the song is. If it plays, I'm like, well, gee, that sounds like someone I know. You know what? More often than not, it's them because there's no one else with that song. Song, sound. That song. That That song. song. song, song, That song. song. Do you know that song? (laughs) Oh my gosh. The beer is hitting already. It's a bone shaker. Yeah. FYI, bone shaker. Bone shaker 7.1% folks. So uh, tread lightly. I love their songs. I love listening to them. Uh, but I didn't really give them the attention that they deserve. I feel like until this mm. record, until Modern Vampires of the City. Yeah. And the reason being, it was kind of like a weird 
you know, one of those like weird, just like moments where I happened to be at a train station. I was coming home from university for like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. I was at the train station and I bought Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone magazine. And it was their, you know, 2013, uh, like best music of the year. That was the issue that I bought. And this album was number one on their top 50 albums of the year. And I still have that copy. Yes. I saved no my way. old magazine copies. Yes, I do. Um, particularly Rolling Stone. Cause I've always loved Rolling Stone, but they wrote a really good article on this album. And there's a quote that I want to mention here, uh, where they said in 2013, no other record mixed emotional weight with studio rat craft and sheer stuck in your head hummability. Like this one, it's one of rock's great albums about staring down adulthood and trying not to blink. And I just thought that encapsulated how I feel about the record perfectly. Yeah, it's, that is fantastic because I will say now that I am as old as I am uh, and I look back on this record, I'm like, fuck, I blinked. Yeah. It was a bit of a rough ride. (laughs) It was very happy and the music made me peppy. And then the more I analyzed it, the more I was like, man, fuck like just all of the expletives <laughs> yeah it's very and again I, I I'm gonna yeah. keep using the word nostalgia I'm there I'm sure yeah. throughout the rest of the the record because it, it was different from when I was listening to it the first time back in you know 2013 or whatever because in 2013 like I was still like couple like within a couple of years out of high school like in university I still felt like a kid you know I was doing kid things yeah. I was learning I wasn't working I, I didn't have something like the podcast that, like that was mine yet like I was just trying to like get through life basically now listening to it at 27, sometimes I just feel like I'm glad you brought up talking heads because immediately when you said that, I was just like, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Like (laughs) literally I was just like, it it feels like sometimes like, do, do, do they know that like they're renting this apartment to a child? Like, do people know that like, (laughs) does my job know that I have no idea what I'm doing? Like they're paying me and I have no clue what I'm doing. It's almost like a self-criticism and, and and yeah, just feeling so like, holy crap, where'd the time go? Like, like that, just. And that's the thing. Like, I can't, I can't remember how old I was when I was, when 2013 was the thing. I'm trying to do that math. math. I was going to say, do you want to do that math? 26. I mean, I got the big calculator. There you are. I love that calculator. That's the best. (laughs) So do I. It's my baby. I will, I will take this to my grave. Anywho, but no, but like 26, right? So like, I remember listening to this. I was back from living in Sweden and trying to find my way in the world and figure out what my next moves were and trying to get my job. And so, um, yeah, it was one of those things that like, I definitely fall prey to the whole, like their world syndrome and trying to make myself a part of it. And I can't, this record is amazing. If anything that foreshadowed my review, but I don't, okay. I don't care. It's <laughs> wonderful. So I'm all about spoiler alerts. All about the spoilers. Or, or maybe this is like some sort of spin. Maybe it's a twist. Oh, plot twist. Plot twist. But is it really a plot twist if you're giving them a heads up? Probably not. Or is that a lie? Is it a red herring? Who knows? It's the bone shaker. It's shaking my brain. This episode is playing like an M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> it's like the village. <laughs> it's going to take a fucking village to make sense of what we're saying. <laughs> 100% like... They're going to be like, you know what? Just let them go. Just let them, let them go and die. It's fine. I am shaken. My bones have been shaken. Congratulations to Amsterdam yep. Brewery. Uh, this is dope. Uh, where do you want to start the conversation today? What's a song on the record that really sticks out in your mind? <sighs> oh man, there are a lot, but you know what? In inspiration and the, uh, you know, bone shaker, let's, let's start with obvious bicycle. 
Obvious Bicycle. All right. Love the song. It's a very cool vibe. It's very unmistaken. Is that a, nope? Unmistakably. 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 Is that the word? <laughs> Aren't you an English major? What the fuck's going on today? 100% the word. Fuck. No, it's the 7.1%. I mean, yeah. like, I haven't been drinking. I mean, I haven't been drinking much in quarantine, which I am like kind of okay with, but yeah. this is, it got me. She got good. Um, the bone shaker will get you. Yes, she will. It's yeah. fantastic. Highly recommend it. Great. Thank idea. you, Amsterdam Brewery. Woo. Thank you. I don't know. This was one of those songs that really like emphasized the whole, like, I blink and missed my youth. And like, I mean, I'm still young. Like, I'm not getting into that. I still got, yeah, you I still are. got yeah, you are. Me. I'm going to be fine. But it really is kind of like, you can tell it's someone reflecting on their life. And like, I don't know, how old was, how old was Ezra when he wrote this? Like late twenties, early thirties. So if they, if they graduated um, university, let's say in like 2007, so tack on six years for this, they're probably like 28, late, late twenties, late twenties. Yeah. Right. So you kind of even see it. Like, I mean, I'm in my like early to mid thirties now. And uh, I like how you gave a generic, you didn't actually say your age. You're like, I'm in my early to mid thirties. <laughs> You're like an actress. You're like, I can apply for the roles that are, you know, 30 to 34. (laughs) I can also play a teenager, but I could also be their mom. It's fine. (laughs) No, it's, it's, I turned 34 in March. It's fine. That's okay. And you've never looked better. You look amazing. Thank you. No, but it really is. It's kind of like, you can tell it's someone who's lived kind of past that, like quintessential youth stage and is a part of the world and is looking back and just like kind of trying to give that message of like, listen, don't wait, make life the most while you can before you kind of get sucked in and you don't have the time. And there's that theme of time throughout the entirety of this record and and the preciousness of it. So I think it's a really great um, song and it it really um, brings in a part of like that. And I don't know, like for whatever reasons, like starting to like go into it too much, but it really kind of gives you that idea of, maximizing the disconnect between what we think reality is and like the quote unquote American dream. Like what is success? How do you define success? How do you become a part of their working world? Like you want to spare the world your labor. It's been 20 years and no one's told the truth. Like we, we are brought up from our youth being like, what do you want to do with your life? What's going to define success? And we are taught money and power in most cases define success. And therefore we try to fit into a mold that would fill those positions in the world, whether it's lawyers, doctors, businessmen, and like, not just like bottom tier businessmen, but like seat and businessmen, businessmen and women, business people, people of industry, people people of business, Uh, (laughs) just the Don Drapers and the, I don't know, Marie Curie's of the world, like Miranda Priestley's. Yes. Yes, her. Oh, I forgot about her. And well, she's fake. She's a fake person. But so is Don Draper. So I felt that's where we were going. Oh, hundred percent. But then you threw in Marie Curie, and I was like, wait, my example doesn't make sense. No, no, it makes it makes perfect sense. Well, it's like because you have your pop culture icons that like society and TV kind of flush at you as like these are ideas of what makes someone successful and what. kind of like the drama interesting pieces of life can be if you're a doctor like they don't highlight hours and years and debt and all of that like you kind of get to see just like money being able to do whatever you want and then like even just people like Marie Curie who have their name remembered in history right like you want to be remembered you want to be immortalized in in and that like in and of itself defines success like she is a success but the problem is is like you also 
if that's not what you want to do or are meant to do or give a shit about, what you're effectively doing is is throwing away who you are to fit into a mold. And it it makes me really think about um, like death of a salesman. Death of a salesman. I love, I don't care. I don't care. I love Death of a Salesman. Arthur Miller, Mwah. genius. So for those of you who don't know Death of a Salesman, I feel like I've talked about it on the pod before. I don't think you have. I, haven't. I don't think you have, but uh, maybe in my dreams. Us. Oh, there maybe you go. Um, so essentially it's about um, a salesman, Willie Loman, And he's like, at the end of his life, fun fact, Death of a Salesman. So foreshadowing. Uh, spoiler alert. Not, not M. Night Shyamalan-esque. Um, no, no. They, they let you know what's going to happen. It's very direct. But it's like, yeah. But Miller wrote essentially like a tragedy of the common man. Because like up until this point, um, all of like your Greek tragedies happen to like kings and people of success and worth, right? But he gives you this idea of tragedy befalls everyone. And in the case of Willie Loman, he is a man who has shown ability to like rebuild his house, build the foundation. He is a hands, like he is a good with his hands, blue collar guy, but he has tried so desperately to be a salesman in a white collar world and make his mark there that he has been unsuccessful. Like he has not done anything. Um, and when his son um, Biff and his other son is happy. Fun facts. Happy is not happy, but it, it really shows you this idea of like putting on your suit every day, trying to achieve like what the world and America, like, and I mean, and I think that's a universal term, the American dream, like it's finding success through if you work hard enough, if you put in enough time and dedication, like you will be successful. And the thing is like, that's not the fucking case. And you can it like do matter. anything. It's like the American dream is, is yeah. like, uh, it's, it, it's almost giving like false hope to everybody that everybody can do anything that they want so long as they work hard, which isn't necessarily a bad lesson because it does no. teach you to work hard, but by some notion, it's also very unrealistic and optimistic to a hundred percent. It yeah. gives you that unrealistic expectation. And in the case of like death of a salesman, you watch someone literally dedicate his entire life to an idea of being a salesman, working hard, being on the road and not being able to find success and undeniably denying his natural talents of blue collar work. So I feel like, I mean, I went on a massive tangent there. I'm so sorry. No, but I feel like that's kind of the idea, right? Like you ought to spare the world your labor. It's been 20 years. No one's told the truth. Just experience life. And I think that's, I think that's the big thing is we try so hard to fit into a mold that we try to enter the workforce too soon. We uh, dictate like high school courses based on what our university courses will be that you really start um, setting yourself back. You don't take time to explore your interests, make them something because people tell you, well, like the likelihood that you're going to start a band and like be a successful recording artist is so slim. Like don't bother doing it just go push some numbers around. But like the fun fact is you can always start again, but it's, it is a reminder. And I remember my family saying it to me, my parents, like everyone's just like, enjoy your youth. Yes. Experience it while you can. And when you're a kid, you're like, fuck it, man. Like I've got, (laughs) I'm okay. I'll make it my own way. And then you, you blink and you're older and all of a sudden you're like, man. I have to say though, Kara, I mean like the, the song itself, like it's not one of my favorites on the record. I don't think it's as memorable as maybe some of the other tracks are, but I like, Great. I really like your take on it. Like, I feel like you went in and I was like listening to you and I was just like dumbfounded over here. I was like, hot damn. <laughs> like the chorus of the song is like that. Listen, don't wait. 
line. And it's so calming. It's so easygoing. And I also feel like was kind of a, uh, a refreshing thing to see for me because uh, a lot of the albums that we've talked about on the pod up until this point have started with like a banger. They've come out and they've yeah. been like, here's everything you need to know about this album, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But it was a nice change of pace to come in and just be eased into yeah. modern vampires of the city with this very uh, harmonic, very slow, very gentle kind of melody about yeah. being like, enjoy what you have when you're young and enjoy doing what you love while you're young before it's too late. And it's a, it's a great way. It is a great way to start off the record. Again, not my, not my favorite song on the record, but definitely enjoy it. And I mean, I think they end this, the album very similarly. So, yes. I mean, it's like, it's, you can see they've done it artistically. Oh, with hell purpose. yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. That's all I gotta say. I mean, I talked a lot about Arthur Miller unnecessarily, <laughs> but like, I mean, like, fuck it. Okay. So Carrie, I've been yes. waiting this whole week to talk about this song. My favorite song yes. on the record, yes, which is Step. <gasps> yes! Going back to this nostalgia thing, I have a very vivid memory of listening to this song, being with uh, a few of my friends. We were um, at a cottage on Lake Erie, watching the sunset, listening to Step. <gasps> and every time, every time I hear the song, I come back to that moment. So that part warms my heart uh, in, in a very big way. For me, like, it's the lyrics that really get me in this song because yes. it's poetry. Like it is absolute literal poetry. Um, I did read on genius. It was inspired by the song step to my girl by souls of mischief, but I do want to take a moment and read some of the lyrics. Uh, this is from the first verse, but, um, just to kind of show off how good Ezra Koenig is at writing. So he says, while home in New York with champagne and disco tapes from LA slash San Francisco, but actually Oakland and not Alameda, your girl was in Berkeley with her communist reader. Mine was entombed within boombox and Walkman. I was a hoarder, but girl that was back then. And truly a testament to his intellect and maturity and his worldliness that he was yeah. able to like he names all these places and he names all these things and he incorporates all this. Like, I don't even have words for it reading through that. I'm just like, yeah. how did, how did this come into your brain? How did this enter your brain? And like, that's the thing. Like I, I love this song, even like going in it. Like if you want to capture all the references, like it's like every fucking word, seriously, like it's, it's, it's nothing. And what I love about this song is it's a love letter to me. It reads like a love letter to all of his musical influences yes. and kind of to music itself. Yes. Right. It, and that's what I fucking love. Cause even that line, like your girl was in Berkeley with her communist reader. Mine was entombed within boombox and Walkman. Like that is not a person that is fucking music. That's music. Like, his, his, his girl, girl is, is music. Yes. Twins. And I love it. And that line is beautiful. Like it is, it is poetry, but even then, like all the places he names, like I'm sure you've got his musical influences who live in those places. Like you could literally yes. take it apart. And I just, this past week I was like, I don't have time. So it was, it was like, this was like my um, Mount Everest and buddy, I did not, I did not make it to the top. I was like, oh girl, the it's summit too much. can't make it. it not is, getting there. No, I was like, I maybe got halfway up and was like, I gotta, I gotta pause or I'm never going to like look at the rest of the album. And it also, you know, so there's all this uh, allusion to his musical taste, but there's also all these references to being an adult and to growing yeah. up. He says, the gloves are off, the wisdom teeth are out. What you on about? Feel it in my bones. Bone shaker. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, bone shaker. Um, and so it, it also plays into that part of the album. Again, this theme of, of yeah. growing up and being ready for these life changes. Like he says, I'm ready for the house. So- yep how can I be, how can I be ready to do all these things and maybe like 
maybe it's societal pressures feeling like I need to do all of these things, but at the same time, I just want to talk about music and I want to like listen to my jams and I want to just be totally in tune, pun intended, with my musical tastes, right? Okay, I do have to reference because my favorite few lines of the song are the following. Ancestors told me that their girl was better. She's richer than Croesus. She's tougher than leather. So before I dug into it and realized that he wasn't talking about a girl, he was talking about music in general. I was just like, if some guy told me like, girl, you're richer than Croesus and you're tougher than leather, like marry me. I just love that line. It's so, again, it's, it's very poetic and it's very Mm. like, it just, it takes you out of it just being music. And it's, it's more than that. It's like, I don't even have words. I don't even have words for this line. That's how much I love this line so much. Well, this is the genius of like Ezra Canning is, is that it's, he's able to mix so many different things into one, con- like nothing is straightforward. I'm even like the fucking opening section has Pachelbel's canon. Like it's the dun, dun, dun. Like even yes. music from previous ages make their way in here. These things that mean so much to you, music, it's, it's a love that stands the test of time. It's internal. You feel it in your bones. It doesn't matter what you are doing. It is with you. It is who you are. And like, these are reasons why certain albums you listen to in your youth that like earn that defining stage of your psychology are what you will still constantly reference when you're old. There's a reason why like take off your pants and jacket not only makes me laugh as an adult, but it's something I will still listen to. Yeah. Being like something I listened to as I was 13, right? It's, that is something I will literally take the gloves off and like fight people about. And that's also a thing. He's like, music can kind of defend herself, but like we get super fucking possessive. Oh yeah. Favorite bands, (laughs) our favorite artists. Like I will, I will cut you if you have anything negative to say. I can say I'm not a fan of his views of the Oxford comma, but you want to, you want to say shit about anything else? Like goodbye. I'm, I'm coming for you. (laughs) This song is a masterpiece. Like this song for me if this was, if this whole album was just this one song, I'd be okay with it because like there, yeah. it's just, it, it's so frigging good. And because it's a love letter to music itself makes me love it even more. Okay. Care. Oh, what do you think? Okay. I could use a refill of bone shaker. How are you feeling? I think, I think I need another. I mean, I don't know if I need another, but I want another. I kind of want another as well. What do you say? We take a breather. Let's refill our, uh, our bone shaker unfiltered IPAs and we'll uh, come right back. All right, Carrie, we've refilled our bone shakers. We are ready to talk about the next song. Uh, it's your turn. So where would you like to go next? I would like to keep it in the first half of the album, please. And I would like to listen to, well, talk about, because I've listened to it a lot, Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Ooh, yes. Okay. And fill me I, in. Why do you like, you like this song? I love this song. And it's, it's a weird, it, okay. So I think it's super upbeat. It reminds me of summer. And I mean, I haven't listened to this album a ton. Like, I wouldn't say it's like on my general rotation since like 2013. Like I listened to it intersper- like interspersed in my life, but like, it's not like something I sit there and go, this I need to listen to today. Yes. But this song has been so like happy summary. It just gets me going in the morning because I've been listening to it also all week yeah. in prep. It's super like summery and hot. And I don't know if it's just the hellfire, but it is... It warms me up. Um, but that's one of those things. Like this to me is like a fun jam. Put it in your car. See yeah. where the like see where the road takes you. Yeah. But when you listen to the lyrics, and this is especially one of those songs with like the lyrics and the instrumentation, 
Yes. Don't like, if you put them side by side, you would be like, this is not the instrumentation to like back up these lyrics. hundred percent. But it's fantastic. I mean, like you're looking, it, it follows the same themes, right? Like you're talking about time, but also like the big, the big other theme in this entire album is like struggling with religious faith and kind of yeah. like finding your place and what that means to you. And the more you listen to the album, the less um, independent this song feels like it's just like one of many yeah and it's especially it's interesting it's in the first half because I find like the back half of the album is very religious based yeah yeah very much an internal monologue of like trying to find like your understanding of like whether it's like what you what your what your upbringing in faith has been to like where you where you stand now and so it's it's whereas I find like kind of the first half is more like youth-based I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think that's verses. fair, but yeah, there's something about the song. Like if I just take it on pure, like feels, I love this song. Yeah. I love it. And I mean, even the words are really interesting, right? Like, I mean, you can dissect it again, like this entire thing is you can dissect it line by line, stanza by stanza. The very first two lines I find really interesting, like got a little soul. The world is a cold, cold place to be. So you would think a world full of religion would be warm and welcoming. But I think even in and of itself, it kind of brings this part of like, if you don't fall in line with what the world is saying, and it's kind of like ties off right off of like um, obvious bicycle. It's also like, if you don't fit in, it's cold. Like they want you to find a place. They want you to figure out where you are. And so the world's cold, cold place to be want a little warmth, but who's going to save a little warmth for me. Right. So by choosing to question things or to not believe in someone else's perspectives, like what happens to you, but based on like the way the world views it, it doesn't matter which religion you choose. Some religion doesn't believe you're practicing the right faith. So like you're going to hell doesn't matter. Like enjoy the warmth and the fire there. Like (laughs) he and his love are tied to the train track. It's just like, it's beautiful poetry. Like anything he writes is poetic and I love it yeah that's uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) I feel like yeah this whole the the whole record itself but specifically this song is kind of like Ezra you know letting the listener know I'm going through an existential crisis but like I'm chill about it the song is asking the question like what do our own beliefs say about us none of us are like we should we shouldn't have to judge anybody for what they might believe in like yes some people might take it as fact and like but if that's what if that's your journey live your journey, live your truth, but don't mm-hmm. like, don't shove it down my throat. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm doing my thing. Basically. That's, that's how I interpret this song. Be true to you and like live the best life you can while you're here. Girl, you and I will die. Unbelievers bound to bound the, tracks of the, the tracks of the train. I love it. Uh, it's my turn again. Yes, it so is. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go to one of the big singles off the record, which is Diane Young. I cannot help, but feel so jazzed when I hear this song. It's weird though, because what I learned in my research is that Diane Young is a play on dying. Dying Young. Young. And I was like, gooped. Like I was like, (laughs) goop shooped and gagged, bagged, gooped and pooped. Like literally just (laughs) like, I was, I was like, whoa, like it blew my mind. Apparently in an interview with Pitchfork, Ezra said, I had this feeling that the world doesn't want a song called Dying Young. It just sounded so heavy and self-serious. Whereas Diane Young sounded like a nice person's name, which it does. When I listened to it the first time, I I didn't know the track was Diane Young. I thought it was Dying Young. You did. And I was like, I 100% was like, what, who the fuck is Diane? Like, when did I miss that track? And then I was like, oh, 
Oh, I get it. Yeah. But it reminded me of like when I was listening to it again was like, do you remember the, and this is not a, you've got to work. We are now comparing a wordsmith to Britney Spears. Oh, tell it. Oh, if you see, like, if you see Gamey, right. <laughs> I was like, where's she going with this? And I was like, oh. no, but it's the same. It's that same kind of concept of like, when you hear it in the song versus when you read it. 100%. I'm so sorry. I compared him. Don't he ever be ma- sorry. He's master. She is. Don't ever be sorry because we haven't talked about Britney Spears on the pod. I don't think ever. So this is great. This is her first, uh, her first official appearance. So thank you for breaking that barrier down. <laughs> this song is, is, is one too, again, because the, the whole nature of the song is like dying young. And it's kind of like, if you're okay with dying young, then like keep doing what you're doing. Keep making the choices you're making, keep living yeah. life the way that you were living it. And then you will be right on time. As they say in the lyrics, like if you want to keep living life in this way and you're okay with being that person who is a tragedy, then baby, 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 right on time. And this is where they use that, uh, as I mentioned in, in, in the intro, that yeah. formant shifting, where there's that part in the bridge of the song where it's literally just Ezra saying like, baby, 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 but then they're shifting the pitch up and down. Baby, and it's baby, actually, baby. they do a good job in the music video. I don't know yeah. if you've seen the music video, but they do a good job with uh, Rostam. Rostam's on the, the shifter and he's kind of doing it as Ezra singing it so you can kind of see it a little bit more. And it was cool for them who, again, are a little bit more buttoned up, cardigan wearing, Ivy League school attending boys to then play into this very experimental sound, which I thought was really fun. And it also is fun because the song itself is very chaotic. The video is also very chaotic, but it's it's almost like when I listen to it, my speakers, like they can't handle it. Like it has that sound built in Love where it. it sounds like it's going to break your stereo or your Bluetooth. Oh, or- yeah you know, whatever it is. And I love that because it captures that essence really nicely. Oh, it's fantastic. Like even, even like the right on time. I remember the first time I heard it, I thought it said ride or die. And that's apparently that's, uh, it's supposed to trick you into thinking ride or die. So it's even that idea of like, just kind of live your life, ride or die, figure out, figure out what you want. It's kind of, I, I always look at it and maybe it's because I'm old and like things break. It's, it's always kind of like this, like recklessness of youth. Like, are you ready to be as out of control as you are, you are being like, yeah. are you making good life decisions? Diane, (laughs) Diane Young, CC, CC, Diane Young. I love the song for whatever reason, the baby, 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 right all the time. Like that, for whatever reason, I do not, I do not question it, but it makes me think of Grease and Grease Lightning. And like, for whatever reason, they're racing. They're not like, Go oh. Latin, but so oh, like the not, actual race, like but just like the actual like race, like I get like it takes me back to them drag racing in the like I don't know is it a ravine? Is I was gonna like say a, they're in like a it's like a weird little it's like um, weird. There's a circular thing and it's like yeah I don't know what that is. It's kind of like know, a ravine. But, it's kind of like a sewer, but. But sewer, it's, it's, I think it's a sewer. It's more of a sewer. But it's not underground. There's no Ninja Turtles around. It's just. <laughs> it's it's above any Zuko trying to make his mark in the world. I don't if know. You were, if you were in Greece, who would, yeah. who, which cast member would you be? I mean, I'm definitely not Sandy. I feel like I'm more like Jan. Who's like the. Nah, 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 nah. No. <laughs> All people heard were Santa effects. I am the girl who's like. I'm French just going to imitate a commercial with the Twinkies and the, and the Oreos. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. It, it's so I re- good. 
so good. But then you like reflect back and you're like, why are they changing to be like with each other? Exactly. No, 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 no. Hold on. He doesn't really change. She's the one who changes. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) let's be real. He puts on a fucking cardigan. He puts on a cardigan and they're all like, hey, Zuko, you wearing cardigans now? Oh my God. Like that's literally the whole thing. And then he shows up in that But you spend, you spend 90% of the movie being like, you don't need to change for the man you love because he's going to love you anyways. And then the last 10%, she comes out in some leather getup with red heels on. Tell me about it, Stead. (laughs) And then you're like, wait, so you just went back on everything you believed in because you wanted to be with this guy? But then they also fly away in a flying car. So maybe they just have like a fever dream. Anyways, we got off track. We started talking about Greece yes. and now I'm thinking Sorry. about Greece. No, no, don't Sorry. apologize. No apologies, Carrie. Do you have anything? Oh, can I do? Can I mention one last thing about Diane yes, Young? Yes, please, 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 please do. I have to say there's a line that I like, I think is really well written, but also could be very controversial where he says, you got the luck of a Kennedy. Yes. Okay. I was going to say that because I fucking love that. Because, part. okay. So JFK probably the most, um, one of the most tragic, Unlucky. but then Robert, yeah. Robert F. Kennedy yeah. also shot and killed Carolyn Bissett, Kennedy, like, like this family, this poor family. Yeah. Well, and I think this is kind of like, so what I love so much about this line, because it's like Irish and proud baby naturally is like, you think you have the luck of the Irish, but you got the luck of a fucking Kennedy. And what I like about that line, what I think is so smart about that line is in and of itself, the Kennedys are fantastic. You've got money, you've got privilege, you've got opportunity, connections. Like theoretically, you are lucky. But then you've got JFK, Robert, lobotomies. Like you've got a family that has suffered and despite all of the privilege, have not succeeded. I look at some of these lines and kind of get into that, like out of control, but you're playing a role. Do you think you can go to the 18th 18th hole? hole. Or will you flip flop the day of the championship? Like, are you, are you really like, can you keep this up forever? Like, are you sure you're really ready to play the role of the out of control teen or the out of control individual? Like, are you ready to be that reckless? Like that fast and furious? So many people like the 27 club in and of itself, right? Like people who have gone, um, and lived, lived lives, right? Like, are you really, are you really ready to say like my lifetime is here? Yeah. So make the most of your time, but also like, you don't want to be like, I don't know, Sandy. You don't want to be like giving it all up. Sandra D. Never, never. Sandy. That's my John Travolta impression. (laughs) Sandy. Carrie, I do want to touch on before we before we call it a day on the song discussion. I do want to touch on Young Lion. Do you mind if we talk yes. about Young Lion? Not at all. So I absolutely love when I do decide to listen to this record all the way through, which I do from time to time. I love coming to the end of this record because I know it means I get to listen to Young Lion. And um, what I love even more in this week that I've been listening to it is uh, in doing my research, I found out that it was inspired by. Ezra's interaction with a uh, an older Rastafarian man at a Dunkin' Donuts who happened to tell him, you take your time, young lion. And I just think that that is so fucking cool. It is so, so amazing. So fucking and, cool. Like, I think it was like when he was writing Contra. Yeah, it was back in the Contra yeah. days. What I love, so because normally songs like this are skips. Yeah. Like they're just kind of pretty, they're, they're short, but it's like an interlude. But there's something about the song that I fucking love. And I think what it is, is it's that like, and I wrote it in big giant letters. Don't worry, because you're not dead yet. 
And I think this is why I love, and I said it in the first track was it kind of juxtaposes the first to the last where it's like, yeah, we've said like, don't fall prey. You've blinked, like take your time. But like at the very end, like, don't worry. Like if you're listening to this record past your prime, if you're listening to it, like in your prime, if you're listening to it, like as a prelude to your prime, like yeah, at the end of the day, you can always take a second, take your time. And you got this. You know, we talked about it already, but Obvious Bicycle comes in, eases us in. And then the rest of the record is a fucking roller coaster of, of yeah. all of these heavy subjects cloaked in very catchy, upbeat songs. It still takes a toll on you as a listener. So coming coming to the end of, you know, track 12 or whatever this is, Young Lion, it was yeah. like a reassurance for me. It was like, it, it's almost like a message directly from Ezra Koenig being like, you know what? Yeah, this record is how I was feeling. But like for you, Take your time, young lion. Life is short, so don't 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 fuck it up. You're going to have to make a lot of choices. You're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to go a lot of places and you're going to do a lot of stupid things, but like enjoy the journey because it's short. Yeah. Carrie, we've reached the critical point in the podcast, which is where we need to offer up our final thoughts. I know, shocking. Shocking. <gasps> But we need to offer up our final thoughts on Modern Vampires of the City from Vampire Weekend. And then we need to rate it out of five bone shaker, unfiltered India pale ales provided by the good people at Amsterdam Brewing Company. So I'm going to throw it to you first. Final thoughts on the record. And what would you rate it out of five bone shakers? All right. My overall thoughts. I think this from start to literally the last song is so beautifully constructed wonderfully thought out. It is very intellectually captivating. It is just a, I think it's a masterpiece. And I mean, I love the previous albums for Vampire Weekend, but I will say as a whole, I feel like this is kind of like that maturing, like real world, like get into your soul, feel it in your bones, yeah. kind of a song, like kind of an album. It's just like a constant reminder. It's, it's again, like universal, the universality of themes that music encompasses. It's a love letter to music in and of itself. It's a love letter to like experience and life. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know what they, like what else they could have done. Like, I think it is absolutely fantastic. And um, it was a pleasure to re-listen to. It is a shame I don't listen to it more. And I think, um, not that my opinion matters to them, but Your like, opinion matters to us here at the podcast. Thank you. It's like a take your half hat off moment. And just like, I would, I would thank them for creating such a beautiful piece of art. It is art. It is Absolutely. Wonderful. That's my final thought. So what do you think, Care? Out of five bone shakers, where are you going? I'm going to say, Ooh, I've always been so harsh on things. I know. That I'm just I like, know you have, you're very, you're very critical. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where you go I next am, year. I feel like it is a, I would say it's a solid 4.5 out of five. That's a great rating. That is a great rating. Thank you. Thank you. I think the 0.5 comes from my own like insecurities and intellectual regrets. A five out of five, like theoretically, I don't know what else they could have done, but there's just like, it's, it's a perfect album. But for whatever reason, I think my own internal thoughts are like, oh, I can't, I can't. Sometimes it's hard reason. to listen to. Sometimes it's it hard to listen and I think, to. And I think that's maybe where it kind of stems from is like, I remember the first time I was starting to think about this, I was like 3.5, 3.5, easy. Yeah. And then I'm like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. 
what have you been drinking bone shakers? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? Um, No, but it's, it's such a beautiful album. Like it's, but it is, it's hard to listen to. I will say like, I am, I'm not, I, it's very relatable. It's poetic. It is artistic. It's gorgeous. But like, I'm not listening to this for a while. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Four and a half out of five, I think is a very fair rating. I actually also came in with a four and a half out of five. So I'm glad that you and I are on the same page. Like I said, off the top, I found, you know, listening now to be a completely different experience versus when the album first came out. And I think that's the beauty of this record is that it grows with you. You can listen to it at a time in your life when you are, you know, quote unquote young and you're truly in high school, or maybe you're younger and you are just figuring out your way in the world. But yet when you you know, reach a point where you should have already figured out your way in the world, or you feel like you should have, it's like more sad and it might be harder to listen to, but it's still, again, it's still a trip. It's still a journey and it's still, uh, relatable. And, and I don't know the word coming to mind is majestic right now. I do think it's a very majestic record and vampire weekend is a band that I, they found their niche early on. They're like, we're going to play to the indie pop, you know, very lighthearted yet sad group of kids who are able to mask some of their harder issues in poppier songs. And they stuck there for a while. And this album did that for sure with songs, you know, we talked about like Diane Young, but uh, they took a risk on this record by being so thoughtful and by being so introspective on it too. It's levels of songwriting akin to somebody like Justin Vernon for me. We did an episode on uh, Bonnie Vare. And uh, we talked about it It with my friend, Lauren, who was the guest at the time. And we talked about just like the level of, again, intellect that's required to execute this kind of record is off the charts. So I got to say, it's, it's one that I will go back to all the time from this moment going forward. It's definitely, it's, it's it's at least a four and a half out of five. I could be persuaded to a five, but similar to you, I'm like, you know what? It's sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's tough. So if you, if if Vampire Weekend's good enough with 90% approval rate, it's good enough for me. (laughs) And I gotta say, Kara, this has been uh, this has been quite quite the episode. I think we've covered a lot of bases. Uh, I'm so I'm always so happy to have you on the podcast because you bring such a great perspective to all of the songs, and you always go in so heavy with your research, like more so sometimes than I do as the host. So I thank you so much for your contributions to this Aww. episode on Modern Vampires of the City, which is a great album, and I hope our listeners will go and listen to it because it's seriously something so worth listening to, especially now, especially now during this time. Yeah. Also got to give a shout out. It's been a while since we've gotten weird on this podcast from some of the drinks. And let me tell you, Bone Shaker unfiltered India pale ale from Amsterdam. Y'all made a really good beer. And uh, this was a fun, this is a fun episode. Yeah. I it's there's, it's been a while since I've literally gotten drunk and talked about music. So thank that's you. What we do. Thank you. Amsterdam Brewing Company. Carrie, thank you for coming back on the podcast. And again, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening and uh, shop local, stay safe folks. Shop local, stay safe.